Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by Beef with the local beat writers of your favorite sports team. Do you, or are you, I should say, are you a professional sports athlete who has a beef with the press? Maybe you feel like the press, they walk into the locker room, they don't even talk to you, but they act like they know you, and then they put out an article that makes it sound like they spoke to you, and then you got to call them out, and you got to call them out in front of the whole press, and then you got to talk about it the following week and explain why you called them out because you're just sick and tired of people trying to get on you, and now what you have is beef with beat writers from your city. Well, if that's the kind of beef that you have, you're going to love this episode of the Goldcast because it's sponsored by Beef with the Beat Writers which is a beef we've had, Raymond, from time to time. Yes, that is very true. They can be super annoying. (laughs) 100%. So we're going to get into it, guys. We're going to first start off with a little discussion about next year's Hall of Fame. Matt Mayoko was actually talking about this, and he was discussing how Patrick Willis and Justin Smith will both be eligible for the Hall of Fame next year. Which will be really interesting. It'll be really interesting to see how that uh, how that goes, and we're going to kind of discuss whether we even think they're worthy of going into the hall. Well, Raymond will be. Then we'll be talking about the KD versus the press. KD versus the press, which is the the an amazing battle that's happening right now, right in front of our very eyes. And then we'll be ending with YouTube comments from our listeners. But before we get started, before we begin, your favorite Bay Area podcast. We have to drop the best podcast intro in the game without question. I would say our podcast intro, Raymond, is probably the Joe Montana of podcast intros. Wouldn't you agree? I would have to agree. It's right up there with four Super Bowl wins, zero losses, no interceptions, three MVP awards. Are you talking Are you talking about the perfect stat? Yes. The perfect stat that no other quarterback in the NFL has ever duplicated. And never will. But Raymond, I I almost skipped you. How rude of me. Why don't you let them know where can they find us? Where can they put their YouTube comments? You can subscribe to us on at the Goldcast. You go to YouTube.com and it's, I think, slash the Goldcast. Same with Stitcher, iTunes, all the same moniker, the Goldcast. Follow, like, subscribe, comment. You you think, I like how you said, I think it's, you've only been doing that read for like two years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. But before we get started, of course, we have to drop. I think it's the same name it's been the last <laughs> five years. <laughs> I sure hope so. All right. Let's drop the greatest goldcast in, the greatest podcast intro in the game. Enough waiting. You're ready. Let's go. Let's get busy. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Goldcast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Sousa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Silly's the first, baby. Boom. Let's go. All right. The offseason for the 49ers is here. 
But it sure doesn't feel like offseason because there's plenty of talk. There's plenty to talk about in 49er land. And of course, we are now very quickly reaching the final stretch for the NBA season and then into the playoffs. We are not, we're like, like two and a half months away, two months and a week away from the NBA playoffs. So it is, we're just, we're, we're stopping there, Raymond, but we still got, we still got great things to talk about the 49ers. And then we're just picking right back up with them Warriors, baby. Let's go. Okay. So Raymond, let's first start. Matt Mayoko was talking about the his the Hall of Fame eligibility. He was actually talking about it on his podcast. If you're a fan of the Niners, I think you'd like that podcast. Got no hatred, Matt. May- it's a little vanilla. Matt Mayoko is a vanilla guy, but they they have some interesting conversations on there. And he was talking about the Hall of Fame class of 2020, and Patrick Willis and Justin Smith will both be eligible for the Hall of Fame. The question is, Raymond, do they deserve that vote? I think Justin Smith is more of a questionable inductee than Patrick Willis. I mean, the only thing that can potentially slow Patrick Willis down, I think it's it's undeniable that he should get in. But the only thing that might slow him down from getting in on the first ballot is the fact that he played a short career due to injury, less than 10 years. So, but... He made the Pro Bowl in each of his first seven years, including five uh, first-team All-Pros. So, I mean, anybody who knows, you know, Patrick Willis was a beast from year one all the way until 2014, his last year, when he had to step away due to that toe injury, that nagging toe turf that wouldn't go away. But um, this guy was a tackling machine. He was, you know, the... He was our ver- our equivalent of a Ray Lewis, you know, a formidable inside linebacker, even better than, you know, uh, Navarro Bowman, who unfortunately couldn't live out the rest of his potential due to just two massively horrific injuries. I thought he was actually looking pretty good after he came back from the first injury, but then when his ACL went out the second time, it was like, all right, this guy's most likely done, which seems to be the case now as he's still you know, a free agent out there that nobody seems to want to pick up. So it just doesn't have the speed anymore. But Patrick Willis, you know, I think his career speaks for itself. Um, When you go to, when you're that good from day one in the NFL, that's really, really difficult to reproduce. And there's not a lot of linebackers in the NFL that have come out and produced at a high level like Patrick Willis has from their rookie year. Um, pretty much until the end. So he only played eight seasons. I think that might slow him down. And it really depends what other linebackers or he's going up against in that class. Justin Smith has a much, much longer career. I mean, he played 15 seasons um, or, well, almost. He played 14. He's played seven with the Bengals and seven with uh, our 49ers. And his career didn't necessarily blossom until he came to San Francisco. He came in 2008. And then from 2009 to 2013, he was in the Pro Bowl every year as just a terrific um, defensive lineman, even though he put up very similar numbers in Cincinnati. If you statistically, if statistically, if you look at his numbers in Cincinnati in terms of his sacks, I mean, he got eight and a half sacks, you know, almost, you know, every other year 
he got his rookie year. He had uh, another another eight sacks in 2006. He had seven and a half sacks in, or uh, sorry, uh, 2004. He had eight sacks. He had seven and a half in 2006. He had seven in 2008. Although he was with us at that point, but um, he's he's produced you know five or more sacks every year, with the exception of 2007. He was pretty unproductive in that year. Um, but um, he was known for eating up tacklers and allowing people like Alden Smith and some of our other edge rushers to really get to the quarterback. That was his that was his skill set that really kind of shined in San Francisco under the 34 scheme for with Vic Fangio is his ability to absorb blockers and allow pass rushers to penetrate and get to the quarterback really quickly. He would eat up multiple blockers at a time. And he also had some pretty amazing sacks himself too as a player. The 2011 playoff game against the Saints stands out to me when he got Drew Brees towards the end there to to help seal the the, the win there. That was amazing. He did it with one hand too. He bull he bull rushed his way in and grabbed Drew Brees by the jersey and just yanked him down. Pretty impressive play um, from Justin Smith. But he's only got five Pro Bowls to his name, so I'm not sure there's I'm not sure who he's up against either, but if he's up against anybody with more than five, I think it'll be hard for him to get in. He's definitely I think it's I think it's a pretty safe bet to say that he won't get in first time around. He may get in later. You never know. There's guys in the Hall of Fame with five Pro Bowl trips. So, you know, the more Pro Bowl nods you have, the the more, you know, the better your chances are. John Lynch, I think, is still eligible, which boggles my mind because he's got 10 Pro Bowl appearances. So he should have been in a long time ago, in my opinion. But just depends on who he's been up against each time. So... I know it doesn't get easier with guys like Ed Reed and Troy Polamalu out there. But uh, John Lynch was one of the best safeties, if not the best of his era, or one, at least one of the best of his era. Even when he went to Denver, he was really good. But I digress. I mean, that's those are two really good players that we remember fondly during our really stout playoff run for three years. Patrick Willis has been great ever since he was drafted. Justin Smith's career truly blossomed when he was a 49er. So... It's just a question of whether they're going to look at, you know, Patrick Willis's short career or Justin Smith's, you know, smaller window of high-level productivity, even though he's been widely productive throughout his whole career statistically. Just it just didn't always equate until a Pro Bowl, uh, a Pro Bowl selection. You know who else bugs me that they're not in the hall? It really bugs me that Roger Craig and Brent Jones aren't in the hall. Brent Jones was eligible this year and did not was not one of the finalists and that really bugged me mainly because he's one of the best tight ends of his era and definitely one of the best tight ends the 49ers have ever had and of course if you're one of the best tight ends the 49ers have ever had then you belong in the hall because you're a 49er that's just how i feel but roger craig and brent jones i think are i I just feel like there's players that are less decorated than them that are in the hall what do you think about those two in particular? I'd have to look at the names. You know, I know Tony Gonzalez is in the mix, and well, hold on, right? well, hold on. Well, their their names are it's Roger Craig, and then Brent Jones. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. Well, you know, I know that uh, I know that Tony Gonzalez is in the mix coming up next, who's arguably the best tight end that's ever played. So it's going to be pretty hard to me i think the class is small i think they should allow at least you know on average it should be 11 selections 
maybe you don't draft every position, you know, because you obviously can't get. I mean, it should be like twenty. There should be there should be up to twenty two selections, based on position, right? Cornerback, at least two cornerbacks, at least two safeties, at least four linebackers or three, at least a, a couple of defensive ends or defensive linemen or nose tackle or something, a guard, a tackle, a center. If there's an eligible one, I think if there's not an eligible one, you can skip over that position. That's fine. But I think the class is a little bit too small. And I think as a result, you know, sometimes there's snubbing more often than there should be because of the way it's currently arranged. And I think they just need to broaden the the class. I think it, sh- it should be the same size of, of, a, of a team on both sides at a minimum. And then you skip positions if there's no eligible players. But um, but yeah, that's just my two cents going off on the rails. Let me digress. As far as Craig and Jones are concerned, I think I think they were elite players for their time. I just don't know if the accolades clearly the accolades don't aren't haven't been. You know, Roger Craig is no longer eligible, so in his case, he's done. But he's in the Forty ers Hall of Fame for obvious reasons. But I think that when you look at other running backs' bodies of work and you compare it to his, I think it just falls a little, it's debatable as to whether, you know, he can get in or not. You know, from the ardent 49ers fan, he obviously feels like he deserves to be in. I think he's good enough to be in. I just feel like when you compare him to other players at his position, there's a lot of players that have produced more in either the same amount of time or for a longer span of time. So I think that's one of the things that keeps that kept him from getting in. And as far as Brent Jones is concerned, you know, tight end I feel like is a tough position that there's even less players that have produced at that position than say running back, because running back is a more pivotal position on the offense than tight end is. And not every team has a great tight end. There's there's more teams with good running backs than there is teams with good tight ends. And I think Brent Jones might have a shot. It really depends. If if he comes around a corner where he's not facing someone like a Tony Gonzalez and he's facing someone uh, to, to a lesser degree, um, I think he'll have a shot. But as long as some of those big name marquee players like a like a Tony Tony Gonzalez, you know, and then eventually, you know, then it'll it'll be tough for him. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see because I need to look at the list to see who's coming up. You know, they I, I don't know if that's readily available right now i haven't seen it when we googled it last but um if if the if anyone from the audience knows who they're going up against you know feel free to share that information with us because we're always curious but as it stands now brent jones is still he could still get in in the in the coming years it just depends who he's up against i for one think he should have been a first ballot hall of famer and they should have rose him up in the air on mechanical angels wings and then thrown feathers at him in a display of love and respect and he's he still works for the 49ers too <laughs> i don't know what the hell i the hell i just said <laughs> yeah he does all right so let's get to the big one this was huge this was really huge um i was pretty surprised this one was really big so the big drama that came out last week we had kd basically attacking the press in a post-game press conference and KD in particular was attacking the beat writers for the Bay Area for the Golden State Warriors and he was just he basically said I'll give a couple little big highlight speeches he said 
he had said, I'm coming up here. He said he told reporters to grow up. He said he has nothing to do with the Knicks. He don't know who he do, he doesn't know who traded Porzingis. Has nothing to do with him. He's trying to play basketball. He goes every day. You guys ask me about free agency. My teammates, my coaches. You rile up the fans. Let us play basketball. That's all I'm saying. And now when I don't want to talk, it's a problem with me. Grow up. And then in particular, he seemed to be pointing out Ethan Strauss of the Athletic, and stated that inside uh, state which. He had written a, a couple of articles and was discussing the Kevin Durant situation. And he, in particular, told him, he told him to grow up. He goes, yeah, you, I'm talking to you. And it was pretty aggressive and pretty amazing. It's on my Twitter page if you haven't seen it. I would imagine just about everybody has seen this. But if for any reason you haven't, you go to my Twitter. It's like the second post at Rudy Solis 3RD. Uh, then he said this week, Ray, he said... He said that he, let me see here, I'm pulling it up. He said, as a player, I knowing I have to talk to the media, if I get an opportunity to talk to the media, I want to give the fans my perspective on the game, but not about business. I just want the beat writers to be truthful, especially if they're going to walk up to me in the locker rooms after games and go behind my back and write stuff like that. At least come talk to me. It was good to get that off my chest. So lots of drama for your mama. I was pretty happy about KD. I also like that he mentioned that you talk to my coaches, my teammates, you rile up the fans, and he really defended it. And I'll be honest, this was the first time I was like, wait a minute, maybe KD isn't going to leave at the end of the year. I've kind of been pretty, I've been pretty reserved to that fact that it's most likely going to happen. I mean, I'm still, if you put a gun to my head, I, I wouldn't necessarily bet that he's coming back. But I have been... I have been cautiously. Heaven, heaven forbid it, it comes to that. <laughs> heaven forbid it comes to somebody having to hold you at gunpoint to get your take on. Well, <laughs> on Kevin I'm a big fan of the gold cast. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to put this gun to your head. <laughs> Tell me what you believe is going to happen. <laughs> so, I, I don't. I, if you were to ask me, I've been cautiously pessimistic that he's probably going to leave i'm just getting flashbacks to Deion sanders when he only played for one year with the 49ers and that was it and he was the biggest free agent signing we ever had until kd and it just seems like when it comes to that kind of thing free agency we just can't have nice things he's been here for he'll be here for three years but why can't he be here for 10 why can't he do another stint like he did with okc now having said that this was the first time where i really did feel i was like wow he the way he defended that is he staying is KD staying? What are your thoughts? That was kind of the impression I got. I was actually, I was, I loved every minute of him blasting back at the press. I thought it was great. Um, you know, I don't know what it's like to be a professional player and to have people in your face asking the same questions over and over again, but clearly it got to a boiling point. And Steven Strauss in particular was even name dropped during this point. So clearly Kevin Durant is, was paying attention to all of this stuff, at least some of these articles, especially, I mean, I guess it would be hard. I mean, if someone made up something about me, I, I would, I would want to read it. I'd be curious, like what, a, I can't believe someone wrote this about this, this fake information about me, you know, cause he straight calls it out and he's like, you know, cause I get it. The article come comes off as if this is all coming from Kevin Durant, and it infers that it's coming from Kevin Durant's camp. So you can imagine his frustration. 
to the press when he says like none of this is coming from me at all so i don't know why this guy walks in here doesn't even talk to me then goes behind my back and writes this article and you know basically suggests that this is coming from me even though that's not the case at all so i'm glad he did that i think the press do need a little backhand every now and then and that certainly was a really good one um, because they're the ones that caused that problem. Kevin Durant didn't cause that problem. They're the ones who keep bugging them day in and day out. And uh, yeah, I, I think if I was Kevin Durant, I would be annoyed too. I'd be like, you know what? The season's still going and I'm I'm wearing this jersey. So why don't you talk about what I'm doing with this team? Because none of that matters is what I would say, you know? Or if I was coming back, if I knew I was coming back, I would just say, I'm coming back here. So you guys need to drop it. I think that would have ended the discussion, you know, very quickly. But the fact that he hasn't quite said those words obviously, you know, kind of leads us all to believe that, you know, he maybe he it, it's maybe not a surefire thing that he'll come back to the Warriors, you know, or, or, or it's not it's not. There's a possibility of him coming back to the Warriors, but because he hasn't said that exact phrase, you know, obviously means that he's going to consider what his options are after this year. And perhaps it's because he's winning. It's because he's won like he's always wanted to win before. And now that he's reached that pinnacle, the the goal changes. You know, because maybe his maybe his goal isn't to just win continuous championship after championship after maybe three is enough for him. Potentially three is enough for him. And now he wants to like maybe go somewhere else and just kind of play and build up a fran- help build a franchise you know a, a sour franchise or something i don't know i don't know what he's thinking i just know that if he really wanted to end this thing he would have said so early on saying hey i'm coming back here and you guys need to drop this subject and the fact that he hasn't means that it's something he's going to consider in the offseason it's not a guarantee can't can't talk in absolutes here but we can infer that he's not completely married to the Warriors next year and he's going to at the very least see what kind of opportunities are out there and if something doesn't grasp him then yes I think he does come back and stay a warrior but it really all depends I mean to be honest I think New York's kind of a mess that'd be the last place I would want to go you know that their front office is not great Um, with the exception of Porzingis you know they haven't really they they can't draw players to them they can't draft very well and in more recent times when they did draft well they gave them up so it's just to me it's like why would you go to a, a disgruntled franchise at least go to like you know to me i if i was a player i'd probably want to go to the clippers because jerry west is there and jerry west has amazing influence no matter what team he's a part of, clearly you can see what his influence did to the Warriors. But everywhere he's been, success seems to follow. So that would be a place I would consider. And I think as other players that are taking a look at that, because other players recognize, you know, Jer- the Jerry West influence is pretty powerful. Although he is starting to get a little bit on the older side, but he's still he's kind of like a Bill Walshy of of the NBA to a certain degree with his ability to pick out talent and and sniff it out. But uh, that's my take on Durant. I think uh, I think there's definitely still a possibility of him leaving. It was nice to hear him defend himself and defend that, you know, because to me, to me, it's like the the whole rant to the press or the 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 backlash to the press from Durant 
tells me that it's not completely off the table him coming to back to the Warriors. I don't think it's completely off the table, but you're right. I don't think he's 100% sold on it. I think there's a part of him that really wants to go, go somewhere and like you said, he wants to be the top dog, be the center dog, and build a franchise. He's never really done that. And this city is Steph Curry. There's just no question. It's Steph Curry City. So I think there's a big yearning to do that. I know that his manager really wants is from New York and really wants him to be involved in the Knicks. I think it'd be stupid as hell if he went to the Knicks. I really do. I think it'd be so stupid. I don't think he'd be very successful with it. But The Knicks are terrible. It's a terrible organization. So terrible. So terrible. So terrible. Agree. A really bad decision. I agree. It would be a very bad decision. We'll see what happens. I am cautiously optimistic right now after that after that big blow up. Before I was cautiously peptimistic, but now I'm cautiously optimistic. I have hope, and if I have hope, then let's go. <laughs> so final subject of the day. Let's talk about some of these YouTube comments. We had a couple good ones. So our boy, John Niner. Now, John Niner's been a fan of the Goldcast for a long time and posted many things. I like how John Niner now went to the Michael Myers mask. He's done that since about like Halloween. It was just like, it was full Michael Myers. You, you, you ever seen that? It's just I see, I see his avatar right now. That's actually a terrific choice, John. I saw the movie three times in the theater myself. There you go. So he, he said... Antonio Brown and Kyle, Antonio Brown with Kyle Shanahan uh, would make us a playoff team. Right now on the roster, we have tons of two and three receivers. We need a legit number one receiver. I'm all for Brown coming to the 49ers. I would give up a second round this year and a first round next year and even add a player they want, maybe someone like Eric Armstead. What do you think of that? I don't know. I... Uh... I don't know if it's worth it because we still need other pieces and to give up pivotal draft a pivotal draft piece like that I still think it's not worth it. Maybe next year a next year second rounder or something like that. It's or if he's talking about a second round pick this year, that'd be great, but not the number 2 overall pick. That would be different. I would I would still I still want that pick. That pick is very pivotal. Um and I think it's most likely going to go to defense because defense seems to be hurting the most uh, out of our two sides of the football. You know, a, a next year first rounder is not bad either because, you know, if things pan out with the defense this coming season, which it really needs to take a step forward, this is a pivotal year coming up, then I think that first pick, giving up that first pick doesn't doesn't hurt as much if we do well. If we don't do well, it hurts us bad. It hurts us bad big time. Eric Armstead, even though he played his first full season and he does he does well when he's in there, although still not a DeForest Buckner-esque type of player when it comes to sacking the quarterback, and that's really what we drafted him for. We wanted them to both be the Twin Towers, kind of doing the same thing and to kind of be a, a combination, you know, like in Dominican Sue and um, uh, Aaron Donald, like that kind of combination, even though Sue had a down year statistically. I think uh, that's the idea here, to kind of have a Patrick Willis-Bowman combination on the D-line. And right now we only got one of those players that's producing that, and the other one who's producing but not producing at an elite level. So, I mean, that's somebody that I wouldn't mind seeing go if that was included in the package. I would be okay with that, you know, because you still have Solomon Thomas who 
hasn't produced much, but he's got untapped potential, and a lot of people think he's just playing out of position. So we're hoping that the new D-line coach can help Robert Sala sort him out so he can start actually start to produce in the way that we hoped he would produce. Again, this is another player that we have really, really high hopes for and high expectations for. I know he dealt with a personal issue the past couple seasons uh, or since being drafted, and I know that that's – I have to imagine that that's something that's weighing on his mind. I don't think you can – I don't think you can – I don't think you'd be human if if that weren't having an effect on you. Clearly, Marquis Goodwin is doing – is in a similar boat, and we can see how that affects him. Sometimes it affects him positively. Sometimes it affects him negatively. So I imagine something similar is going on with Solomon Thomas, and that's that's also somebody – something to take into consideration. But uh, it's not about it's not a bad package, uh, John Niner eight. It's just a question of will the Niners make such a such an offer? To me, I feel like Antonio Brown will cost about almost as much as Khalil Mack costs to the Bears. So it'll be a similar similar package like that. The only difference is he's in his thirties, but you know what you're getting. Um, in that case, everyone knew what they were getting in Khalil Mack too, so that that was no secret. But uh, even in his thirties, at a wide receiver position, I think it would command a similar offer package to that of uh, Khalil Mack and he's offense offensive players cost more than defensive players but yeah that's what I think I still think it's not going to happen <laughs> I, I think I don't think so either I, I think I think that what John Niner is post, posting is fine I just don't think that Pittsburgh's going to give Pittsburgh's going to want like the house in some way I don't think it's going to happen so they are because this is this is a disgruntled player and they have to give him up because because he's disgruntled not because he's not producing so they're giving up a player in his prime so there's a little bit of ego and ego and some frustration coming from their end of the camp too which is why they're gonna you know they're gonna maximize this deal as best as they can as best as any team really would in this situation so it's not like the Jimmy Garoppolo deal, which kind of favored us more than it helped the Patriots. At least so far, you know, he's been injured, so we haven't been able to reap the full benefits of Jimmy Garoppolo, but hopefully that's going to change this coming season. Super Bowl, baby, this season. We're going all the way, baby. Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go undefeated the whole season. So here's the next one. So... San Francisco, get it, Sixco, San Francisco. He said, in response to us asking, should were we right in blocking Oakland, he said, did they think about us when they let Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack leave Cali? I think not, so we won't think about them when they leave Cali. Uh, I'm typing like I live there. <laughs> exactly. And I said, right? How dare they? As I type from my current home in L.A. Then his last response said that it's up to it's up to us. The fate of our team depends on the gold cast. You must do whatever you can to keep the Raiders out. These are your orders. Well, San Francisco, you better believe we're going to keep Oakland out. And I'm going to start by kicking out every one of my friends that I know is from Oakland. I will now no longer let them hang out in San Francisco. This is my small contribution to this. Pete, we all know Pete. Pete comes and hangs out with us on the gold cast, especially during the Warriors uh, playing, you'll probably see hear from him around the playoff time, but we cannot, we just can't let guys like we we can't let them now. Now Pete lives in Oakland, so I'm sorry he's denied. Now no anyone living in Oakland, if you're my friend, you can't come into San Francisco anymore. I'm playing my part. I'm doing my job, 
as a born and raised San Francisco native. What are you going to do, Ray? I'm just going to not go to Oakland. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to, you're going to contribute by not visiting Oakland. So I'm kicking people out and you're just not even going over there. Just going to have stain. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Warriors have now won 15 out of 16 games. If you're not watching, you should. This season is just going to ramp up. We've got the All-Star break quickly coming upon us. And then after that, it's go time. So let's go. I'm ready. Let's make history. Get three in a row. Three out of four. That's That would be an incredible run. I want to see it happen. It, uh, Raymond, as we mentioned before, the Patriots winning This one, the Patriots now, Boston is at 12 championships. We are at six. This one will get us to seven. We're still five shy. Granted, they've taken two decades to do this. You know, we have another decade still. This is where Jimmy G comes in and, you know, wins three Super Bowl championships in a row for the 49ers. But that's that's a steep hill. If we win this year, we still we're still five championships shy. So we have a we have a long road ahead of us. We're we're not out of the uh the fire here against Boston. I where they've got double the amount. So unless someone Tanya Harding's the Red Sox, I don't not sure or or one of these team, one of these pro teams, we need some uh some kneecaps taken out to just slow them down just a little bit to let us catch up. It's either that or we just got to win outright. But um I think uh the Warriors uh I think the Warriors have the best shot to win more than than even after this year, whether they've got a Kevin Durant or not. They're still a pretty elite team, and they could still they could make if Durant leaves, that's going to open up money, which means that they could theoretically keep someone like a Boogie Cousins, who's obviously the most talented and gifted center they've ever had on that on this championship team. So he's the only All Star center they've ever had at that position. So I think uh, it's uh, worth. I mean, Andrew Bogut was an All Star before, I think, but uh, not um, not during this run. But I think um, I don't know. We have a lot of ground to pick up. You know, the Niners need to get back into the mix. The Giants need to return to championship status. I think they got the right general manager, the the right GM in place to to make that happen. We're obviously now within the top five, top three teams to land Bryce Harper. So I think, um, all right, take that back. Andrew Bogut was never an all-star. He just played close to, to that when he was with us. But I think that uh, either way, it's a lot of ground to pick up. And I think that uh, the, the Warriors are the closest team. The Niners have potential to start competing for that. Whether they win it or not is another story. And the Giants have kind of are now in the downswing of their winning and are trying to get back into an upswing. And it really depends on the personnel that they bring in starting with that pitching. In addition to that big golden bat of a Bryce Harper like player. Well, I I think, I think the giants are going to get there pretty fast again. I have a lot of faith in our new president of baseball operations. I have a ton of faith in him and I really think this is going to go down. He's done a wonderful job. He did a wonderful job over in LA with the Dodgers. So I'm pretty confident there. I think the 49ers now last year I was pretty last year last year I was I was pretty pessimistic in my overall 
overall record, I believe I said the 49ers would be 8-8 eight and eight best, but I had them somewhere around 6-10. and 10. I think if we can get the someone like a Josh Allen, I think the sky's the limit for us. And I think we can we if we get someone like a Josh Allen, I'm going to be really excited about our chances next year because we really just need a pass rusher. And I think we're just one player away. And I, I if we get someone like Josh Allen, I will I will probably get on the faithful bandwagon and say we're playoff bound. Screw you, L.A. Rams. Challenge in particular, I just I think his technique is awesome. I like him more than I like I like him more than Nick Bosa. I I mean I understand that Nick Bosa has a really high ceiling, and he comes from a proven bloodline, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee that he's going to come in and produce like his brother did or like his family line suggests that. But Josh Allen's just got a really polished technique and he played he didn't deal with injury he played in his collegiate career and he produced at a very high level and has extremely an extremely solid technique that with just with with an nfl polish he would be you know another he could potentially be another alden smith to me he reminds me of james harrison um although albeit their sizes are very different james harrison was much smaller than uh, josh allen is but I I can see I see similarities in their play. He's the one that comes to mind. I know there's the Quillen Williams that everyone keeps mentioning, who looks like a a, a juiced up Aaron Donald, but that's more like it, it's to me it looks more like a, I don't know. It's he he's good too, and and there's some polishing there too. But I, I think he would need a little bit more work to to come into any any potential range of an Aaron Donald. I mean, you're talking about elite elite class player here and i'm just not sure if if just because he looks good on paper it seems more like a risk whereas josh allen has the he has the productivity on tape that really proves that he can really do this more so than quillen williams even though quillen williams is productive too i just feel like josh allen has the best resume of proven productivity at the collegiate at the best collegiate level so i think that he's he's just why he's the reason why he really stands out to me as the surefire pick that we should be going for in the draft well everyone loves him everyone loves him i mean i it it seems like the momentum for this kid is just mounting as we inch our way towards the draft i want him let's go you look good in red and gold baby josh allen let's go let's go so we'll see here's the great part we have the second pick of the draft baby well, you know, we, we, we've got our pick. We've got our pick of the litter right there. Let's get Josh Allen. Let's go. God, I get so hyped thinking about this. I really think we might be playoff bound if we get Josh Allen. I really do. I think that's it. And we get a healthy Jimmy G all year long. Ooh, that gets me hyped. Can football come back already? I know it's only been gone for like two weeks, but can we come back already? I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. All right, Raymond, before we go, why don't you let them know where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter.com at Ray Solis and on Instagram at Ray Solis one Boom. You can find me on Instagram, R- Rudy Solis 3, and on the Twitter, Rudy Solis 3RD. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Solis the first, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time. Same Goldcast channel. Let's go. This is, is the Goldcast.